Herlock Sholmes arrives too late. The local officers had given up the investigation after several hours of fruitless efforts, and the people at the castle were awaiting the arrival of the English detective with a lively curiosity. At first sight, they were a little disappointed on account of his commonplace appearance, which differed so greatly from the pictures they had formed of him in their own minds. He did not in any way resemble the romantic hero, the mysterious and diabolical personage that the name of Herlock Sholmes had evoked in their imaginations. However, Monsieur Devon exclaimed with much gusto, Ah, Monsieur, you are here. I am delighted to see you. It is a long-deferred pleasure. Really, I scarcely regret what has happened, since it affords me the opportunity to meet you. But how did you come? By the train. But I sent my automobile to meet you at the station. An official reception, eh? With music and fireworks? Oh, no, not for me. That is not the way I do business, grumbled the Englishman. This speech disconcerted Devon, who replied with a forced smile, Fortunately, the business has been greatly simplified since I wrote to you. In what way? The robbery took place last night. If you had not announced my intended visits, it is probable the robbery would not have been committed last night. When, then? Tomorrow or some other day? And in that case, Lupin would have been trapped, said the detective. And my furniture would not have been carried away. Ah, but my goods are here. They were brought back at three o'clock. By Lupin. By two army wagons. Herlock Sholmes put on his cap and adjusted his satchel. Devon exclaimed anxiously, But, monsieur, what are you going to do? I'm going home. Why? Your goods have been returned. Arsene Lupin is far away. There is nothing for me to do. Yes, there is. I need your assistance. What happened yesterday may happen again tomorrow, as we do not know how he entered, or how he escaped, or why, a few hours later, he returned the goods. Ah, you don't know. The idea of a problem to be solved quickened the interest of Herlock Sholmes. Very well, let us make a search, at once, and alone, if possible. Devon understood and conducted the Englishman to the salon. In a dry, crisp voice, in sentences that seemed to have been prepared in advance, Sholmes asked a number of questions about the events of the preceding evening, and inquired also concerning the guests and the members of the household. Then he examined the two volumes of the Chronique, compared the plans of the subterranean passage, requested a repetition of the sentences discovered by Father Jelis, and then asked, Was yesterday the first time you have spoken those two sentences to anyone? Yes. You had never communicated them to Horace Velmont? No. Well, order the automobile. I must leave in an hour. In an hour? Yes, within that time Arsène Lupin solved the problem that you have placed before him. I placed before him? Yes, Arsène Lupin or Horace Velmont, same thing. I thought so. Ah, the scoundrel! Now, let us see, said Sholmes. Last night at ten o'clock you furnished Lupin with the information that he lacked and that he had been seeking for many weeks— during the night, he found time to solve the problem, collect his men, and rob the castle. 
I shall be quite as expeditious. He walked from end to end of the room in deep thought, then sat down, crossed his long legs, and closed his eyes. Devon waited, quite embarrassed. Thought he, is the man asleep, or is he only meditating? However, he left the room to give some orders, and when he returned, he found the detective on his knees scrutinizing the carpet at the foot of the stairs in the gallery. What is it? he inquired. Look, there. Spots from a candle. You are right, and quite fresh. And you will also find them at the top of the stairs around the cabinet that Arsène Lupin broke into, and from which he took the bibelots that he afterward placed in this armchair. What do you conclude from that? Nothing. These facts would doubtless explain the cause for the restitution, but that is a side issue that I cannot wait to investigate. The main question is the secret passage. First, tell me, is there a chapel some two or three hundred meters from the castle? Yes, a ruined chapel containing the tomb of Duke Rollo. Tell your chauffeur to wait for us near that chapel. My chauffeur hasn't returned. If he had, they would have informed me. Do you think the secret passage runs to the chapel? What reason have... I would ask you, monsieur, interrupted the detective, to furnish me with a ladder and a lantern. What? Do you require a ladder and a lantern? Certainly, or I shouldn't have asked for them. Devon, somewhat disconcerted by this crude logic, rang the bell. The two articles were given with the sternness and precision of military commands. Place the ladder against the bookcase, to the left of the word Tibermanil. Devon placed the ladder as directed, and the Englishman continued. More to the left, to the right, there. Now, climb up. All the letters are embossed, are they not? Yes. First, turn the letter I one way or the other. Which one? There are two of them. The first one. Devon took hold of the letter and exclaimed, Ah, yes, it turns toward the right. Who told you that? Herlock Sholmes did not reply to the question, but continued his directions. Now, take the letter B. Move it back and forth as you would a bolt. Devon did so, and to his great surprise it produced a clicking sound. Quite right, said Sholmes. Now, we will go to the other end of the word Tibermanil, try the letter I, and see if it will open like a wicket. With a certain degree of solemnity, Devon seized the letter. It opened, but Devon fell from the ladder, for the entire section of the bookcase, lying between the first and last letters of the word, turned on a sprocket and disclosed the subterranean passage. Herlock Sholmes said coolly, You are not hurt. No, no, said Devon as he rose to his feet, not hurt, only bewildered. I, I can't understand now. Those letters turn, the secret passage opens. Certainly. Doesn't that agree exactly with the formula given by Sully? Turn one eye on the bee that shakes, the other eye will lead to God. But Louis the Sixteenth asked Devon. Louis the Sixteenth was a clever locksmith. I've read a book he wrote about combination locks. It was a good idea on the part of the owner of Tibermenil to show His Majesty a clever bit of mechanism. As an aid to his memory, the king wrote three, four, eleven, that is to say, the third, fourth, and eleventh letters of the word. Exactly. I understand that. 
It explains how Lupin got out of the room, but it does not explain how he entered, and it is certain he came from the outside. Herlock Sholmes lit his lantern and stepped into the passage. Look, all the mechanism is exposed here, like the works of a clock, and the reverse side of the letters can be reached. Lupin worked the combination from this side, that is all. What proof is there of that? Proof? Why, look at the puddle of oil. Lupin foresaw that the wheels would require oiling. Did he know about the other entrance? As well as I know it, said Shulmis. Follow me. Into that dark passage? Are you afraid? No, but are you sure you can find the way out? With my eyes closed. At first they descended twelve steps, then twelve more, and farther on two other flights of twelve steps each. Then they walked through a long passageway, the brick walls of which showed the marks of successive restorations, and in spots were dripping with water. The earth also was very damp. We are passing under the pond, said Devon, somewhat nervously. At last they came to a stairway of twelve steps, followed by three others of twelve steps each, which they mounted with difficulty, and then found themselves in a small cavity cut in the rock. They could go no further. The deuce, muttered Sholmes. Nothing but bare walls. This is provoking. Let us go back, said Devon. I have seen enough to satisfy me. But the Englishman raised his eye and uttered a sigh of relief. There he saw the same mechanism and the same word as before. He had merely to work the three letters. He did so, and a block of granite swung out of place. On the other side, this granite block formed the tombstone of Duke Rollo, and the word Tibermenil was embossed on it. Now they were in the little ruined chapel, and the detective said, The other eye leads to God, that means to the chapel. It is marvelous, exclaimed Devon, amazed at the clairvoyance and vivacity of the Englishman. Can it be possible that those few words were sufficient for you? Oh, posh, declared Sholness, they weren't even necessary. In the chart in the book of the National Library, the drawing terminates at the left, as you know, in a circle, and at the right, as you do not know, in a cross. Now, that cross must refer to the chapel in which we now stand. Poor Devon could not believe his ears. It was all so new, so novel to him. He exclaimed, It is incredible, miraculous, and yet of childish simplicity. How is it that no one has ever solved the mystery? Because no one has ever united the essential elements, that is to say, the two books and the two sentences. No one but Arsène Lupin and myself. But Father Jalis and I knew all about those things, and likewise, Sholmes smiled and said, Monsieur Devon, everybody cannot solve riddles. I have been trying for ten years to accomplish what you did in ten minutes. Well, I am used to it. They emerged from the chapel and found an automobile. Ah, there's an auto waiting for us. Yes, it is mine, said Devon. Yours? You said your chauffeur hadn't returned. They approached the vehicle, and Monsieur Devon questioned the chauffeur. Edouard, who gave you orders to come here? Why, it was Monsieur Velmont. Monsieur Velmont, did you meet him? Near the railway station, and he told me to come to the chapel. To come to the chapel, what for? To wait for you, monsieur, and your friend. Devon and Sholmes exchanged looks, and Monsieur Devon said, He knew the mystery would be a simple one for you. 
it is a delicate compliment. A smile of satisfaction lit up the detective's serious features for a moment. The compliment pleased him. He shook his head as he said, A clever man. I knew that when I saw him. Have you seen him? I met him a short time ago, on my way from the station. And you knew it was Horace Velmont? I mean, Arsène Lupin? No, but I supposed it was, from a certain ironical speech he made. And you allowed him to escape? Of course I did, and yet I had everything on my side, such as five gendarmes who passed us. Sacre bleu, cried Devan. You should have taken advantage of the opportunity. Really, monsieur, said the Englishman haughtily. When I encounter an adversary like Arsène Lupin, I do not take advantage of chance opportunities. I create them. But time pressed, and since Lupin had been so kind as to send the automobile, they resolved to profit by it. They seated themselves in the comfortable limousine, Edouard took his place at the wheel, and away they went toward the railway station. Suddenly Devon's eyes fell upon a small package in one of the pockets of the carriage. Ah, what is that? A package. Whose is it? Why, it is for you. For me. Yes, it is addressed, Herlock Shulness, from Arsene Lupin. The Englishman took the package, opened it, and found that it contained a watch. Ah, he exclaimed with an angry gesture. A watch, said Devon. How did it come there? The detective did not reply. Oh, it is your watch. Arsene Lupin returns your watch. But in order to return it, he must have taken it. Ah, I see. He took your watch. <laughs> that is a good one. Herlock Sholmes's watch stolen by Arsene Lupin. Mon Dieu, that is funny. Really, you must excuse me. I can't help it. He roared with laughter, unable to control himself. After which he said in a tone of earnest conviction, A clever man indeed. The Englishman never moved a muscle. On the way to Dieppe, he never spoke a word, but fixed his gaze on the flying landscape. His silence was terrible, unfathomable, more violent than the wildest rage. At the railway station, he spoke calmly, but in a voice that impressed one with the vast energy and willpower of that famous man. He said, Yes, he is a clever man, but some day I shall have the pleasure of placing on his shoulder the hand I now offer to you, Monsieur Devon. And I believe that Arsène Lupin and Herlock Sholmes will meet again some day. Yes, the world is too small. We will meet. We must meet. And then... 